0: listening to Grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. I am Marcus. It's another Grassroots Music UK Q&A session. It's week 30. Grassroots Music UK podcast, the podcast for unsigned artists, but also pretty much for anybody that's interested in the music industry at grassroots level, where at the moment we're struggling a bit because although there hasn't been um, any official word or anything from the government with regards to COVID, um, as I record this, we've been um, officially, I-, I use the word lockdown, but they're not lifting any restrictions for another month. And so those of us who are waiting to be able to play our locals again are not able to book that many dates in, although it looks as though we'll be able to book them um, towards the end of the year. Um, but we also haven't received as much support as we would have liked to in as much as um, this time last year, they were bringing out the, um, or at least talking about bringing out the Eat Out to Help Out campaign. Um, in as much as they were able to give you fifty percent off of your meal, or seventy percent off, or whatever, and encourage people to go back in the restaurants. As far as I'm aware, I haven't had any, or haven't been um, uh, shown any links to anywhere where they are paying fifty percent of our concert tickets in, or any or fifty percent of our sporting event tickets, in order to get us back out there in the stadiums watching um, sports and listening to uh, music again. So. As far as I'm aware, they haven't done yet that yet. I doubt they will. I think they probably look at it that uh, somebody like Simply Red can uh, fend for themselves. And if you want to see that sort of stuff, then you pay the full price. But I feel a little bit as if it's a bit unfair. Um, on a grassroots level, those of us who are self-employed, you know, um, yeah, you get a little bit of help here and there, which is has been more most welcome for myself and a few other people that I know in the industry. But um, really, it's about rebuilding what we had before, and that's what's going to take the time. But um, that's why I'm here every week, and I'm trying to appeal to you and talk to you out there and to give you some advice about this and hopefully to make you feel a little bit better about it. Having played the game for so many years now and um, mixed with so many different other musicians, um, whilst at first it was a negative kind of feeling, thinking, what am I going to do now? I'm now looking at it and thinking, okay, well look, time to rebuild, take my career in that, you know, the direction I want to take it in, pick it up a bit. And um time to get off my lazy backside and get out there and push myself again. Um not that I wasn't pushing myself, but um, you know, now now it's a case of give us a little bit and now we've got to get out there and, and make it happen and try and get onto these venues and um and that's why I'm here every week, I just putting my uh four penetrath in with regards to the Grassroots Music UK. And um, of course, I'm here to answer your questions and to give you advice. And also you can pick my brains about stuff. And we have some fun on this podcast. If you haven't listened to it before, where have you been? There are 29 other episodes that you can find, plus uh, the Grassroots Music UK interviews. There are, I believe, 10 of those. Um, and as I speak to you now, I am beginning to um, make plans to record the new series of the interviews and I've got some people lined up for that which I've spoken about before but at the moment with the way things are and restrictions and one or two of those people are not in the best of health and I don't want to obviously risk anything with them coming to see me um, or doing anything that we shouldn't really do and I don't really want to do the interviews out in the garden because you'll have the birds twittering and all sorts of noise in the background so You've been sending your questions in again, and I'm always grateful that you do. You keep me going here. Um, Another little special thanks to Helen, who helped me again this week, um, as i had been away for a few days, to um, put the questions together and to type them up for me so I could understand them and uh, make sense of them a little bit better. So the first question comes from Alexandra. Alexandra is over there in Kent. She says Bexley Heath, which is just the other side, actually, sort of Dartford way. Alexandra says, hi, Marcus. Are there any venues that are really bad for acoustics? There's loads of them. Uh, Alexandra, there's loads of them, but, um, not necessarily venues. Music venues are usually okay because if you, you know, if they used to having music quite a lot of the time, um, they, they they cater for that. And usually they're pretty good. So most of the places that we play that have stages usually have, you know, carpets down and, uh, the other social clubs, you expect them to have a carpet down. Um, So they're they're pretty good for acoustics, but I think where you come unstuck in this business is where somebody will book you to play maybe a wedding party or maybe a private birthday or something, and they've hired a sports hall. And uh, sports halls, you've know got four or five badminton courts, and you're set up at one end, and you're trying to make your band get heard, and everything is echoing around the rafters at the top, and um, they're particularly, particularly bad. Um, in terms of that, some sometimes if the halls are big, but usually the halls have a fairly low ceiling, you're normally okay. But um, yeah, the worst ones that we've had over the years have been the sports halls when you're trying to hear everything um, and trying to make everything come across okay. And it just sounds so big and massive. And um, in the end, what we, we tended to do was to roll the reverb off of everything. And I, I know you can EQ it to a certain extent, but you can't really change the the dynamics of the hall you're playing in, so we roll the reverb off of everything, um, and we try to um, just keep everything compact in one little area. We don't spread it out too much because um, just it it tends to if you if you tend to be too far away from one of the speakers, it's difficult to hear it. There's been one or two venues that have a high um a high roof and high ceilings rafters and it and it echoes around in there but usually there's a squash court um or a tennis court involved which um or a uh, not tennis court a badminton court involved and that's where when you're playing in sports halls and by the way I know that technically the Brentwood center was or is Um, a sports hall but it's it's been geared up for music you've got the hanging curtains you've got things like that so I don't imagine that there's an awful lot of badminton played in that uh, arena if you like but sports halls are not easy Um, outdoors can be difficult sometimes because uh, the noise doesn't bounce off of anything so if you're stood behind the speakers um, you can't hear anything bouncing back towards you um they're sometimes difficult but usually it's just the sports halls are the really really uh huge halls where you're just trying to get heard and it's um you, you know the, the it echoes around the noise goes up and out echoes around um and even you know the sports halls even though you've got people in there sometimes the people coming in if you get a couple of hundred people in there that that brings the sound in a bit it's not so bad um But trying to get the sound right when it's an empty hall is pretty, pretty close to impossible. And you just have to realize that um, roll the reverb off of everything, keep everything clean, let the natural um, ambience of the hall determine, you know, what your reverb's doing and stuff like that. And um, that's what you do, uh, Alex. You just uh, sometimes you just have to hit and hope. So sometimes we hit and hope in these bigger venues. But um, thank you for your question. Uh, James says, hi Marcus, does constantly retuning a guitar damage the strings? Um, yes, it does. I, I, I suppose it's you just putting the pressure on it. Um, it tends to happen a lot. Um, if you're constantly playing songs where you're, you're detuning the D dropping the D drop D tuning and then tuning it back up again. Sometimes you don't have time to physically stand there and drop D drop. D isn't too bad. But um, yeah, obviously you're loosening something and then tightening it. And I suppose the the only thing I can say, if you get an elastic band and you constantly stretch it to a certain level and compact it, in the, in the end it will weaken and in the end it will break. Um, and I suppose uh, any any material um, pretty much is the same. This is why when you when you see some of these famous bands and they have dropped detuning, particularly in my, in my mind it's always status quo because, uh, and, and I don't know Rich, personally, but uh, when it was Rick Parfit, um, used to watch his uh, his setup, and any time there was a song in a different tuning, he used a different guitar. Now, that's partly to do with the fact that he doesn't want to stand there and tune it into a drop D, but also sometimes tension on the strings, and sometimes a drop D tuning, or a particular tuning on a guitar, um, is um susceptible to heavier strings or lighter strings and sometimes you can have a slightly different gauge that um suits the, the the drop d tuning or the or the tuning better somebody did ask me about Nashville tuning um recently and Nashville tuning is uh, slightly different in as much as the 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 top e and the b are in the same um in the same frequency but then you use uh, lighter strings so technically you would use i think it's something like uh, in my case, it's 11, 14, and then it's 9, 11, 14, and 18. So that's working from, and what you do is you tune the, uh, the the top E to an E, the B to a B, and then you tune the third string, which is a 9 instead of an 11, up to a G. So it's like an octave above where it would normally be. Um, you tune your 11, which is now your fourth string, to a, a D, which is an octave higher, and then you tune, uh, you basically just keep your four, your uh, 14, yes, your 14, which would be your fifth string. So that's what Nashville tuning is. Effectively, or in my experience, it is. I mean, it's probably alternatives. But Nashville tuning is, um, uh, from, from the high E, is a 11, in my case, 11, a 14, a 9, 11, 14, and an 18. Um, and I believe there's a Nashville tuning on a couple, I think it's Wild Horses by the Stones. There might be a, a high one, a, a Nashville tuning on that. But, um, obviously in that case, you're using slightly different strings. Um, and, and therefore, you know, you can't get the same result if you use other strings. And, um, so when you, when, when you, the, the original point was, if you go and see a band, a famous band in particular, that, that have alternate tunings they usually have alternative guitars for those tunings um because i on I either wear and tear on the guitar um which it doesn't sound like an awful lot but if you get your tuning pegs and your bridge and stuff like that and every single night you're stretching that um string and you're tuning it up and tuning it down i can only tell you that when i worked with um uh, a gentleman fairly closely uh in the studio and he was tuning the guitars up and down and the amount of times that he'd say, Sorry, we've broken another string, another one's gone, just because of the pressure on the guitar, tuning the strings up and uh tuning them back down again. So, yes, it does affect it. I don't I think, you know, some some more than others. Drop D doesn't tend to be too bad. But when you drop D tuning or or Dad Gad, um what tends to take the, the brunt of it tends to be the higher strings. So in the case of Dad Gad, you tune everything down. Um, and usually find that the the bottom E or the bottom D in that case tunes back up to E quite easily, but where you feel the pressure is on the high uh, on the top E, the high E, um, and I think it's because if you anybody who's ever tuned a guitar and, and and if you hear this then you'll think about it, the amount of movement on the tuning peg to turn a, to, to tune a bottom D up to an E is very minimal, but to tune a top Uh, D up to an E you're turning it probably four or five times just because of the way the string is much thinner it stretches more and um, it's one of those things that you you, the wear and tear on the first two or three pegs if you're tuning and changing around with your tuning is far more than on the bottom three pegs just because of the way the strings are made and the fact that they they take less turns of the of the tuning peg to move them up because they're thicker and they're stronger, and um, so usually the strings that ping off are the top E, and they're the ones that take the the most brunt. If you're messing about with alternate tunings, you can break any string, but I think most guitar players would tell you they've probably got a box somewhere of a load of old strings, and I would imagine that most of the strings they've got in there are sort of bottom bottom E's um, or A's. You know, the string that that most lead guitar players tend to break. Is usually the G string, the third one, or the second, because of the the tension on the bending. Most rhythm players tend to break the top E, and if you're messing about with tuning guitars a lot, um, then sometimes the top E can break a lot more than the the bottom um, end of the scale, if you like. But um, whatever it is, if you are detuning your guitar, or if you are playing playing, um, shows where you use more than one tuning, try and have more than one guitar so you're not messing about too much you've got one ready to go you just switch it off because in the time it's going to take you to stand there and detune um you might as well pick up another guitar and go straight at it probably save uh 30 seconds um and go to work but um that was a really great question james thanks for that mate i enjoyed answering that one Innovation Studios has all the tools you would need to bring your music to life. Get in touch to book a free consultation. This is our opportunity to chat about your music, listen to demos, and if you're unsure, find which pricing would fit you best. There are no hidden costs. Once a booking is made and price agreed, there are no further hidden charges. Our team at Innovation Studios are professional musicians, and we know that sometimes a recording may run into an extra hour or an extra day your original price will stand guidance that will help you make a great sounding album at an affordable price www.innovationstudios.com keith from Ardley green hello marcus and everybody at grassroots Um, does it really matter which leg you rest the guitar on when you're sitting down um personal preference i mean a lot of classical guitar players like to have the neck of the guitar kind of up on their shoulder um maybe a little bit like a rifle if you like when you sit you know up, up with the with the neck pointing upwards most rock guitar players kind of or or you know rock and roll guitar players rest the guitar on the right thigh if you're right-handed as you sit there um and you're able to move around freely if you rest it on the left one you're stretching away from yourself and the neck of the guitar is further away so uh, i think it's personal preference now and again if i've had a long day of playing sometimes I, you, you get it's not necessarily that the guitar is in a, is in a, any different position but sometimes i've sat in the same position for hours in a studio session or something like that and um sometimes i'll just move the guitar over to the left uh knee or the left thigh in order to just stretch a bit more and to move, play it in a slightly different way, because otherwise you can get fixed, or at least you can when you're my age. Um, but that's what can happen sometimes, and and I've noticed as well, my posture isn't as good as it as it was, uh, so I need to stand up a bit straighter. Because I've been leaning over the guitar so much, I've got into a bad habit of leaning over it a lot more, which everybody gets into that habit when they first learn. But, you know, you think after 40 odd years, I'd, I wouldn't be doing that. I'd, I'd know where I was instead of peering over. So, no, um, it doesn't really matter. It's just a case of um, a feeling, a personal preference. But I would say nine out of ten guitar players, right-handed guitar players, rest the guitar on the right thigh. And the other thing as well is you hold it a little bit like um, like a shotgun, Um, so it sort of points forward a little bit so so the 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 back of the guitar where the bridge is that area there kind of tucks under the arm a little bit more and and because you need room for that arm to move that one of the bad habits that I see an awful lot when I'm working with students of all ages and all backgrounds is a tendency to rest the left elbow on the left thigh when they're right-handed guitar players left-handed the other way around but and then their, their wrist has to bend all different angles. You need to to keep that arm out in the open a little bit more. And you need the space to do that. So I always find if you just, it doesn't run um, parallel to your body. It doesn't run, you need the guitar to be pointing, the neck of the guitar, to be pointing maybe 30, 40 degrees away from you. Um, so that you're able to wrap your arm around it with the rhythm pattern and also give your left arm plenty of room. Um, to move and to compensate. Otherwise, if you rest your left arm in one place, then your left wrist is bending at all different angles to make the shape and to compensate, and you don't want to be doing that because that's going to hurt. So um, it's important. It doesn't make a difference which leg you, you rest the guitar on, really, but it does make a difference if you rest your, um, uh, your what we call it, your neck hand, if you like, your playing hand or um, on that on the, the other leg or on the arm of the chair. You need to have that out there a little bit more. You don't want it up in the air like you've broken your collarbone, but you need enough room to make the spaces. And if you're playing, going from a C to a G, it's like it starts from the elbow, really. it's um, you, You're kind of able to move the elbow and make that shape. As a matter of fact, as I talk to you now, I'm playing imaginary chords in the air. That's where we are at the moment, just to sort of prove to myself that that is the case. But it is the case. You move... You've got that more freedom of movement. Um, so, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter, but I would say nine, nine out of ten guitar players would rest, right-handed guitar players, rest it on the right thigh and then just push the neck out a little bit so it's at a slight angle. It's not exactly parallel to your body and then don't rest the left elbow on your thigh or on the arm of the chair because then it can't move um, and your chords are going to get a little bit uncomfortable. But uh, thank you very much for your question. Alice, if you could duet with anyone past or present, who would it be? Um well, singing or guitar, Alice. Um I think if I could if I could perform with somebody um guitar-wise, just sit and jam and kind of just listen to them play and swap a few ideas. Um I've always said Brian May was the ultimate guitar machine, but I think there's something about being sat with Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits and just playing through a few things and um I think I'd like that singing wise, I think um I always say that one one singer on one one singer one song one night would be Karen Carpenter and if you've not heard a, a lot of her stuff, um it's such a beautiful voice. it's so easy on the ear, and um it's a moving kind of voice. She's able to get so much emotion and so much passion without appearing to try and um, I think to do a duet with her I think I'd be guilty of over singing but do you know what I'd I would welcome the opportunity to do pretty much duet with anybody of that level anyway but um, yeah I'm, I think I think uh, to be sat with Mark Knopfler and playing some guitar and and maybe to sing a song with Karen Carpenter people always think it might be Tina Turner or something somebody a bit more rock but you know, I can be a bit of a soft touch sometimes, and I and I do like the soft stuff as well. The, the soft songs are nice and easy to play, and and I love that. So um, it's always always good. Um, okay, let's have a little look at this one. This is Albert. Albert. Albert is in just on. He says on the outskirts of Luton. Um, Marcus, would you be pleased if your children followed you into a music career, or do you think it's too risky nowadays? Um yeah I I I think any parent is always proud if your children show an interest in what you do but I never forced it upon them um I have two two kids um I've got a daughter of 14 and a son of 11 and I never forced it upon them I always felt if if it was something they got into then um I would encourage them to to follow it but I think without appearing to be too controversial, but I'm just going to put it out there, all right? And I think most of the people that listen to this will know what I mean. Society has changed, and people have changed. And these days, to be entertaining um, the next generation is hard. And I don't want to sound like my dad here or my granddad, but they ha- they have a different mindset. They have a different way. Um Less respect for their elders, and I think um it's a different world to what it was when I first started when I first started, you go and entertain somebody and people would sit at their tables and have a dance and clap you at the end of it and Now I get people calling me geese and asking me if I can play something we know you know, so you know things have things have changed things have moved on, and so um many of the venues that we played successfully for years um once they bought a pool table in, with the pool table came the backwards baseball caps, and with the backwards baseball caps came aggro. All right. So the the, the problem I have with it is that um, musicians and and people performing in, in clubs and that these days you're not treated with the same respect. And and I'm not I'm not having a pop because. I would encourage, it's great that the kids are still making music and they're still out there doing it. But if you just take an example, like if you went to see ACDC or Iron Maiden or one of the big bands 30 years ago, you could do what you wanted. You could stand there, you could enjoy the show. If you wanted to jump up and down and act like a lunatic, you can. But you go and see it now and you've got these kids doing the slam dancing thing where they're shoving each other around they're pushing each other around. And I, I have a prop. Well, I don't have a problem with that. But I just, I don't want to go to that gig. I don't want to. I don't want to be at that show. I want to be able to stand on the edge of it without some Herbert with green hair banging into me because his mate's shoving him. And um, I don't get that. I'm sorry. I don't get that. I don't think I'll ever understand it, and I don't think I'll ever want to understand it. But um, society has changed. So if my daughter said to me she wanted to start playing in venues and playing music again. I would say you follow your dreams, go and do it, follow your dreams, but understand that it's not, these are not the audiences that that, uh, when I first started, um, I was playing to. So you play to them these days, you've got people coming up, can I play a bit, can I do this? You know, nobody, um, my dad actually summed it up the best and he said to me once, these people behave as if they're on their patio at home when they're in a public place. And that's true, they do. And I'm not, this is not me knocking society, right, or having a go at the kids, because I'm not. I rely on a lot of uh, kids who have dreams to come in and learn guitar. But I've always been honest about this job. I've always been fair about it, and I've always been straight. I've never, ever tried to to pretend that it was something that it wasn't. You know, it's hard work, it's hard money. It's it's difficult to be in a band and have four or five of you trying to fix dates it's it's hard work you will have falling outs you will have arguments you will get screwed over by agents you will get knocked by a doorman taking a little bit of cash putting it in their pocket and not putting a group of girls through who are coming to enjoy the show you'll get that you'll get stitched up and i think that that i'm honest about that so if my kids decided to show an interest in it as a matter of fact jennifer wants to show an interest in it and wants to Do music. I don't know if she'll end up performing, but she's looking to study it uh, as one of her options, which of course I'm proud of. I never forced it upon her. I never said, You must do music. I I just had a guitar, but I never really played it at home. I I just had it there. And now and again, I might sing a silly song, but most of the time, I didn't force it upon them because I felt that if they ever showed an interest, Jennifer now has access to this, you know, to Innovation Studios. She can play my guitars, her guitar that I got her. She can mix some songs, she can explore music, she can go online and learn about stuff, learn about mixing, learn about production. Um, if if she wants to follow that, you know. And um but if it came to doing the same job as I've done for years, which is to be gigging, you know, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, and and hoping people will get up and dance and have fun and stuff like that. I mean, even some of the weddings that I play these days where you expect people to behave. You've got guys with their shirts off on their mates' shoulders and you're thinking that society has changed. So would I want my daughter out every Saturday night playing a, a holiday park or playing a pub with her band? No, I wouldn't, and that's the honest truth. But I would certainly would love her to work in a studio and to be working with a group of people and and, and encouraging them to follow their dreams and working on recording, and I'd love that. I don't think I'd want Jennifer to do the exact same job as me because um, I don't get the same response from the audiences as I used to get. It's not because, you know, because I'm old and, you know, people ain't what they used to be. It's just I don't. I get people come up and calling me geese and shouting out stuff and calling out things. And and I'm like, well, fine. I I don't mind. You do whatever you want to do. But sometimes um, I'm not a grumpy old man. All right but sometimes i'm thinking shut up no one cares what you've got to say just sit there and let me do my job all right um because I, I don't, although i don't actually say that but you always feel it just shut up and let me do my job all right you ain't nothing um and that's the thing and 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 um empty cans make the most noise and you get that a lot. People who are giving you a bit of mouth. So the world is a very, very different place to what it was when I first started. Would I want Jennifer to follow the exact path as me? Not in a million years. Would I want her to um, work for me and work in my studio as she gets older and and uh, you know work with singer songwriters and um, work in a production? Um, environment and uh, help people program their songs and work on their music and record them and maybe mix their backing tracks for them? Absolutely. Would I want her to get to the point where she was able to teach people and bring them along? Yes, I would. I'd say definitely go for it. It's a rewarding thing. It's the best job you'll ever do. But would I want her to play some of the dives that I've had to play over the years just to get a few quid? Absolutely not. So, Um, a double-edged question uh, uh, answer really but I think I'm fair I honestly think I'm fair you know I I just I'm trying to earn a living and uh, I try and tick over and I think society's changed and I I wouldn't want my kids to follow the exact path that I did thank you very much for your question though I enjoyed answering that one as well Grassroots Music UK, in association with Innovation Studios, presents the ultimate one day workshop for songwriters. Advice and analysis on songwriting techniques and methods, how songs are created, structured, recorded, and produced. Tuition, analysis, and guidance on how to make a great sounding album on a bedroom budget using recording software and digital audio workstation. Learn how effects and plugins work and the most effective way to use them. Mixing and mastering to CD, WAV, and MP3. Adding album artwork, tags, and songwriter info. Where to have your mastered CD copied in bulk for selling at your shows. How to upload your music to iTunes and digital media. Online radio stations and how to submit your music for airplay. Advice on venues, promotions, showcases, and open mic nights in the area. To book a place and be added to the waiting list, please call 01702 836 or email UK at gmail.com. Gavin says, Hi Marcus, I've tried explaining to my wife that I need a few guitars to have different options and different sounds, but she doesn't believe me. She thinks that one guitar will do everything I need it to do. Can you convince her otherwise? <laughs> Gavin, I'm not getting involved in your, in your domestic uh, squabbles, but... Um, different guitars do a different job, okay? And if you're serious about doing something in this business um, in terms of recording or uh, anything like that or production um, and, you know, or session work, then yes, different uh, guitars and different amps do different things. Um, You know, the guitar players over the years that um, settled on one sound tended to have the same guitar. Brian May always has the same sound, um, Hank Marvin always has the same sound. Eric Clapton always has the Fender Strat. Very rarely changes his sound. Um, but if it came to session work or trying to do different things or um, if you moved in the same circles as, as I'm moving in as much as you might one week work with a rock band, another week you might work with um, a, a folk band, you might work with an with a acoustic show, you might put together a rock and roll show. Different guitars do different things. Brit pop. Um, and certain guitars are synonymous with certain sounds. Country tends to be a uh, telecaster. You don't see many country artists, or at least I haven't, playing Gibson Les Pauls. So, um, in that particular case, if you're looking for something, the most versatile guitar they reckon is Defender Strat in terms of it gives you so many different sounds. But, um, you know, it, even though somebody like Gary Moore was synonymous with playing a Strat, when he picked up and he wanted that sound for prison Walkways or for Still Got the Blues, he was over to the Les Paul, the Gibson. So um, different guitars do different jobs. And in my case, as I sit here now, um, I have uh, a Gibson Les Paul. I've got a Fender Strat. I've got a, um, a Fender Telecaster. I've got an Epiphone Sheraton. I've got a Gibson 355. Um, I've got a bass guitar, which, of course, is obviously going to... Um, for bass Uh, i have a 12 string acoustic a six string acoustic i have a fender t bucket acoustic and ibanez acoustic um i've got my dad's old guitars of like uh his, his old acoustic which is sentimental more than anything else although it's nice to write on now and again and just pick it up and and uh play just because it's an old it's the first guitar i learned on so it's nice to have that bit of nostalgia um and they all do different things and um so, yeah, I think sometimes if you are looking to get into recording, um, you know, properly or, or releasing your own albums or something like that, Gavin. Um, once you get past the, you know, the the, the um, programming of the drums and stuff like that, I think you probably need to have, um, let's say, an affordable Epiphone Les Paul, and let's say a top of the range Squire Strat, um, and then maybe just a, a nice little Squire bass. Um, guitar so you've got those three instruments and then maybe um, in my case i used the line six pod but these days there were so many different effects moors and and uh, boss gts and different things you can use for your guitar that um, give you that effect and amp simulators and stuff like that so um, i think if you if you're looking to do that you've got a les Paul sound you've got a, a fender sound which gives you two different sounds the les Paul sound tends to be a bigger richer stronger sort of sound um and the strats are great for for what are great for everything really but great for rhythm and jangly sounds and and funk and they, they're, they're so versatile so it's a case of having um you know an epiphone les paul maybe a squire strat when you first start i mean if you've got the money mate get gibsons and get fenders but um if it's something you're just looking to get into get a, a decent epiphone um les paul a decent squire strat Half decent square bass, maybe a they call it a P bass or a jazz bass or something like that, um, and then program some drums and you go to work, mate. So there's there's three guitars you need to have really if you're serious about it. But as you grow, go up the ladder and you start thinking about your amps, um, I I have a line line six uh, spider. Mine's one of the older ones that I use sometimes for different effects. My setup live is a crate. I use a Crate uh, G60 XL, I think it is. Really old, probably 25, 25 27 years old now. Um, but it just sounds great. It just does everything for me. But over the years, I've got Mesa Boogie and I've got uh, Fender Twin Reverb because you you want that different amp sound sometimes. Um, but but you can get that from the guitar effects these days if you're just recording at home, your home studio. Um to have lots of different guitars, Gavin, tends to be for people who are working um in an environment where the guitars are miked. So if you're working at one of the one of the bigger studios or working on something like that, your your amps are all mic'd up and stuff like that. But when you're recording at home, most of the guitars can be D-I'd with various um different sound um options and and um different pedals and stuff like that, which will do the job for you. So uh your you, your wife isn't completely wrong in um, as much as you probably don't need, you know, t- 10 or 15 guitars, but if you're serious about your music and um, and you want to, uh, and you know enough about it to know that different guitars, you know, give you different stuff, and obviously I'm assuming that you do, so um, then, yeah, just keep it simple. Just just get maybe a couple of guitars, and, and let's be fair, an Epiphone Les Paul will set you back, get get one on eBay for about 300 quid, a squire probably for about 150 and a bass for about 150 so it's that 600 quid and you've got three guitars that give you three different well two guitars that give you two different sounds and a bass guitar and then get an effects thing maybe a mua. so 700 quid you've got everything that you could want for recording at home um and uh yeah i know there'll be a ton of people saying oh you could get prs and you could get this and you could get that but as I've said before, it's, it's a gradual thing. You learn how to do it. When I first started, I'd play a few shows and put the money away from that. And i uh, well, put some of the money away, but, put, but I'd put a percentage of it away. And uh, play a few more shows and put a bit more money away. And then I'd take the money that i put away and update some of my gear. And I felt that I had something to show for it. So I'd put the money away from my shows. And suddenly I'd turn around and i have got maybe a grand that I'd saved over six months. And I'd go and get a PA and make the band sound better with that new PA. And then the new PA would open new doors for me and maybe would earn a a little bit more money because we were playing slightly bigger venues. So I put a bit more money away. And maybe six to eight months later, I'd have 1,500 quid in there. And I think, right, well let's get myself a new guitar, let's get, let's get myself a new Gibbo. And, and then, of course, my playing, well, I like to think my playing was um, better, the sound was better, and you put a little bit away, and then, you you know, you maybe six or eight months later, you got a couple of grand saved. And you think, okay, well, look, let's update some um, recording stuff so we can make some really good demos. So I always found, when I first started, it was just my guitar, my, my um, Shaftesbury Les Paul, my trainer amp, and I went to work, and that was it. Um and um put some money away, and built it up, so it's a hobby Gavin. it keeps you moving, keeps you going along um but yeah, I think we'd all like to capture lightning in a bottle mate, but I think sometimes uh yeah, just just have have a few guitars if you want a few, pick up a few cheapies that you can have sitting around because if you're a songwriter, it's nice to have um. Oh, I missed out on acoustic, but acoustics you should be miking up anyway. So let's say if you're recording at home, you get a half-decent acoustic, um, and then it's how you mic it. So maybe get yourself an SM58, or there's a few USB mics that are pretty good. The audio-technical audio ones are really, really good vocal mics and stuff like that. So get yourself a proper setup. But your original question was you don't need as many guitars as you have. But um, we'd all like to have... Um, and as a matter of fact, as somebody said to me years ago, Um, what's the correct answer when someone asks you how many guitars you need? The correct answer is just one more. So if um, next time your wife asks you how many guitars you need, you just say just one more. And uh, that will sort that out. But um, I don't know your wife's name, but um, she's kind of got a point, Gavin, depending on the level you're at. Um, But I wish you all the best with it, mate. And um, please stay in touch. And, you know, if you are a songwriter and you're... um, you're creating songs and stuff like that. Um uh, please don't write another song about lockdown. I th- I think everybody's written a song about being locked down. But um yeah, I-, I wish you all the best with it, mate, and um of course you could always email me if you want any advice, but uh yeah. Just just keep it simple, mate. Have have uh, two or three guitars that do everything, all right? I'll catch you soon. Thanks, mate. Susan says. Hi, Marcus. Sometimes when I'm recording my audio books, I struggle a little bit with interference from other noise. One of them is like a whirring sound in the background, and I'm wondering if it's something to do with the equipment that I'm using. Can you advise? Hello, Susan. Um, Well, if you're recording an audio book, then I would assume that you're probably speaking pretty quietly. And if you are doing that, then obviously the microphone would have to be quite loud and therefore would pick up stuff like rustling bags in the background or or a phones ringing or squeaking of chairs and stuff like that. But um, you said it was an electrical sort of sound. So uh, first of all, check your cables. Make sure that um, when you when you connect your microphone to your um, sound card and when you've got it on your stand there or whatever, just make sure that your lead is um, clipped so it's not moving around. So it's wrapped around, maybe wrapped around the stand, and there's no movement on the lead because if the lead is crackly a little bit and it moves, it will crackle all the way through. And I, I speak from authority on this because a few weeks ago, I recorded what I considered to be one of the better Q&A episodes. And when I listened back to it, Susan, there was a blooming noise on it that kept reoccurring. And it was because I hadn't uh, i would fixed the microphone in place. But uh, the, the lead was just a little bit crackly. I've changed it since, and we, I think we're okay now. But um, I suddenly listened back to it, and I had to put a, a thing on there just saying I'm sorry about the noise because I wasn't going to record that again. You, you know, you can't you can't capture lightning in a bottle twice. That was a really really good one. Um, but in that particular case, um, it, it's you, you learn from your mistakes, Susan. Now the other thing with electronic noise as well, I've found that. Um, with regards to my PC, my sound card that I use, I use a PreSonus Audio Book Audio Box USB 96, which I think is is great. I've used the Leecis IO4s and IO2s over the years, but my my sound card is a PreSonus Audio Box 96, and um, I've found that I've had to move it recently because I've I've got my PC um, up on the desk with my with my monitor ab- above it. And I found that having it the other side it was picking up interference from the PC. Maybe the fan was at that end. and switching it to the other side, touch wood, which I am doing at the moment, um, it seems to be okay, so sometimes it might just be that your your um, a digital audio interface or whatever is it that they want to call it sound interface, might be too close to um, the fan um on your windows pc or your laptop or whatever it is you use to record on and if that's the case um and it's resting right against it then that will vibrate through it and that's what's happened to me and i, I had no way of knowing that was going to happen so look i'm not infallible I, I make mistakes too and learn from them and, and think oh god i can't do that again so that's what it might be susan have a think about where your microphone is plugged into maybe keep that away from anything that could be whirring. maybe you might have a fan on in the background and um sometimes the fan blows across the microphone and and creates that effect um but really it's um just just move a couple of things around in my case it was moving my um usb or my my yeah my audio box to the other side of the pc and now touch wood it seems to be okay Um, it might just be that um, your microphone has to be so loud that it's picking up other noise. Um, But if it's a a digital sort of sound or an electronic sort of sound in the background, um, if it's a crackling, it's usually the lead. Um, And if it's a sort of a a noise, it might be that your mobile phone is is still switched on and therefore it's picking up the signal. So make sure your phone's off or on flight mode or whatever. Um, Another mistake that I've made, you know, leaving the phone on um make sure your phone's off make sure everything's off and if you do have a fan sort of position it back a bit so um it just uh it, it's not right near to the microphone it's not blowing across but um if that doesn't do it sue then um feel free to um message me and uh maybe we'll have a meeting on uh zoom or something and i'll see if i can advise you all right because um, you know, I'll, I'll always do that. No no, no problem at all. You know where we are. www.innovationstudios.com That is it for another week. Another brilliant week. Your questions were great again. Thank you. I hope you had fun listening. I hope you had as much fun listening as I had um, answering them. I look forward to your company again um, next week. There's only going to be a few more weeks of these and I'm going to start doing the interviews again. But while your questions are rolling in, I'm going to carry on doing what I do. Thank you for being my mate. Thank you for listening to me every Uh, Friday at six o'clock, Grassroots Music UK, the podcast for unsigned artists. Carry on with your questions, picking my brains right out of my head. Um, And I'm sorry about the weather today. It's lousy out there. We've had some rain over the last couple of days. You wouldn't have believed that two days ago we were sat in uh, shirt sleeves, as I like to call it, with my feet in the pool. And now here we are, you know, raincoats and all sorts of stuff, umbrellas unbelievable the british weather you can't rely on it the british weather and the british government you never know what's going to happen from day to day so anyway that's it from me thank you for listening again i look forward to your company again next week send your questions to innovation studios uk at gmail or send them on twitter at innovation studios or send them on uh, instagram you can uh, put put little things on there like my posts and follow me on there Um, Obviously, subscribe on Spotify. There's a Grassroots Music UK YouTube channel, which doesn't have loads on it, but there's a few things on there, like the 10-minute tutorials. And until I see some of you in the flesh um, and look forward to seeing you again, um, I suppose we'll just stay as we are at the moment. I'll speak and you can listen, all right? But thank you. You take care of yourselves. I'm out of here, all right? Yours in music, signing off. Bye-bye for now.